We're back on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy's Famous Seafood. It is Thursday night, Friday morning as you're listening to this, October 27th. My name is Jake Luke and I'm joined by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. How is it going, sir? Going well. Right when we were recording Jumbo Set on Tuesday night, I felt the sickness coming down, got my fall sickness underway. So pushing through, this is my Jordan flu game and I'm feeling okay. Got a little little medication going on. Thursday night football, we're, we're in the swing of things. We got our nice little third summer going on in the Baltimore area. It's 80 degrees, going to be really nice this weekend. So really a lovely time for me to be sick. But uh, I'm really ex- I don't know why I'm just really excited for Thursday night football tonight. I, I don't know why this game doesn't particularly speak to me. I just really am in the mood to sit down and watch some football tonight. So I'm fired up about that. How are you feeling? Good, yeah. I feel like talking to the settle man gets me a little more H for Thursday night football than I used to be. I think, you know, we kind of preview those games a little bit. We talked some get uh, betting with them. Bills are, uh, you know, they're kind of, they're trying to keep the ship on the, uh, keep the ship afloat. Buccaneers, you know, they're, they're sort of teetering themselves a little bit. I think people maybe look at them as a little more smoke and mirrors, but the Mayfield story has been interesting to follow. So yeah, it's, that's, that's a good matchup. And uh, yeah, feeling okay myself. I've been dodging the sickness uh, on my own, though I'm pretty sure I had COVID like two months ago. So maybe, you know, maybe my natural immunity is all built up, but who could say really? Um, and yeah, the, the third summer, I mean, I'm going to be playing golf for the first time in like three months, uh, this Saturday down, uh, the ocean. So really looking forward to that. Thankful for third summer coming at an opportune time for me. It most certainly is. I'm very jealous. have a, a spooky party if I'm better tomorrow and then a wedding on Saturday, which will be my fourth in four weeks, every weekend of October this fall. I don't, so. Your life is just your life be like, ooh, uh, ooh, uh, ooh, uh, ooh, uh, I just can't, you know, I, I couldn't do it myself personally. You're, you're a true hero. No, I secretly spend a lot of time by myself and in complete silence. So I, uh, I like to recharge the old social battery. I'm not a, I'm not a big, like outside of the weekend social guy at all, really. And plus we do this anyway. So I talk enough. I talk all day. I talk all night. Talk, talk, talk. I like to shut it down in the off hours, but with that, the Baltimore Ravens, as we're at the official unofficial midpoint of the season, will travel to Arizona to take on the Cardinals, and that game will be taking place at 425, which I didn't think about until I just typed that in. You might have even heard it on my keyboard on Sunday, October 29th. The Ravens are sitting at eight and a half point favorites, which has been teetering around eight, eight and a half, nine, seen some nine and a half at certain points in time as well. Uh, so the Ravens will do the damn thing, go down to Arizona and take on them Cardinals. And it's uh feels like a vi- this game is going to be swept so far under the rug of the NFL schedule. I'm not sure how many four o'clock games there are sometimes because there are only like three, four o'clock games during bi- the bye weeks where teams can have buys. It's not the case, but man, this uh, is not drawing a lot of national intrigue at all. Yeah, no, it's not. I think uh, if Kyler Murray had maybe come back to practice a week earlier, it would have, but I don't really see any path to him playing in this game against, you know, a top two defense in the league. Uh, really, like, not even being talked about the fact that he's in a new offense, I'm pretty sure, right? Didn't Gannon bring in his own staff. So, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a transition for Kyler back into that lineup. But they've got a competitive team. They've got a frisky team. But, yeah, I think most of the uh, most of the footballing world expects the Ravens to go in there and take care of business against that eight and a half or eight points, whatever it is. Uh, and I guess we'll get into it. But, yeah, it does kind of set up to be one of those types of games 
But alternatively, you know, you could look at this as classic Baltimore Ravens. They get a big win at home. You know, they trounce a team. Everyone's feeling really good about them. And then all of a sudden they step on a rake and, uh, you know, things are all of a sudden teetering back the other way. Usually teetering, getting a lot of burn tonight. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, I guess right off the bat, why, why will this not be one of those games or why will it? I think that the it will be will not be one of those games because when you go look at the Arizona Cardinals defense, and I do think this team as a whole is they're in the right places. Execution wise, they are aligned in ways that make sense. I think the calls they have, they they're keeping it pretty simple. Uh, they are just pretty barren of talent on the defensive side of the football. And when you go look at the Cardinals defense in Uh, win probability situations between 10 and 90%. Their rushing success rate allowed is the fourth worst mark in the league, the 29th mark in the league. Uh, They are not a stout run defense, and I think lack big boys inside that play big or anything like that to be able to kind of go make this Ravens team deviate from what they do like to do at their core, which is run the ball down your throat. I feel like this is going to be a big Gus Edwards game, maybe a big Justice Hill game. We'll see what happens with Keaton Mitchell or whatever running back is elevated. But I just think the Ravens are going to control the line of scrimmage. We watched them play the Detroit Lions team that has an Aleem McNeil and does have a Hutchinson, although I think he does get maybe a little bit too much burn because of how high he was drafted. He's a productive pass rusher. I don't think he's a scary player defending the run. But ultimately, to me, this Cardinals front, Zayvon Collins coming down, who's putting together a nice season in his first year in that true outside linebacker sense. Um, Just not really a lot of meat in the middle to scare you away. And this Ravens offensive line, Linderbaum, Moses, and Zeitler in particular, uh, we we do have an interview, a recording dropping with Yuli from the Baltimore Banner talking about how Ronnie Stanley took a defender through the back of the end zone and into Yuli's knee, who was uh, photographing the game. But... With that, you go look at the middle of their interior offensive line. Kevin Strong is questionable in this one, has been missing some practice. Leakai Fotu, Jonathan Ledbetter, uh, just not not warthogs down there in the trenches. There's there's no Michael Pierce there. There's no Aleem McNeil. There's no uh, DJ Reader. And I think because of that, the Ravens are just going to be able to get on their front, get to the second level, and hurt them bad. So uh, I think the Ravens will be able to run the ball fluidly. um, And if they can do that, I think they just light teams up. Yeah, and, it, you know, just looking at this defense versus their offense, you mentioned the guys up the spine there that maybe don't have a ton of size. I'm looking in the secondary a little bit. They got Buda Baker there, who's a really nice player. But then you got Jalen Thompson at the other safety spot, questionable with injury, and then Starling Thomas the fifth, and Marco Wilson starting at left and right corner. And then Dennis Gardeck, uh, I don't know, he's in the linebacking court, it looks like, um, but that is a name that I'm familiar with. Not super, super familiar with those other guys there in the secondary, so... Yeah, man, it kind of just feels like uh, our, our boy uh, Gannon with the pew, pew, pew is getting these guys to play above their station a little bit because they've had some frisky games. Like we said, they beat the Cowboys and everything, but, you know, not a lot of not a lot of name brand talent to speak of here. No, there most certainly isn't. And I do really like Marco Wilson. I think he's a nice player and uh, someone that I think could be successful in the right situation. The Cardinals are a very heavy quarters team. They run quarters about 25 percent of the time, one of the highest rates in the league. And the Ravens have had a, a pretty low success rate against quarters. Um, so that that would be that and cover six. So the two that have kind of given them the most trouble. Um, so I think people might go into this one expecting the Ravens to be able to throw the ball a ton. 
uh, work out some of those things. We have Kurt Warner who did his film breakdown. We spoke about in the jumbo set, getting into kind of some of the timing and clunkiness of the Ravens offense. And again, I do think the Cardinals defense is in the right places. I think that they are doing an okay job in coverage relative to how bad their efficiency looks relative to how bad the numbers look um, in terms of disguising their coverage. Uh, they do disguise. Uh, they, they don't pardon me. They would, they will go close to open a little bit. So they will give you a middle of the field, close look that single high look and then drop out. Um, they do leave the middle of the field open on 63% of their coverages, which is the highest rate in the NFL. So, that's Mark Andrews city. That's Nelson Aguilar city. Uh, I think you will, we'll see back like on a little Rashad Bateman. Bateman been, Bateman's been getting a lot of those a little bit, kind of those, uh, you know, in routes from the intermediate. And so, yeah, I mean, crossing and shallow and, and all those kinds of things. Definitely. So, um, yeah, I think the Cardinals, the Cardinals aren't great where the Ravens are successful in coverage, which is Lamar firing that intermediate area. He's always been so good at that 10 to 19 yard area. Um, I do think they do an okay job keeping stuff in front of them. They just they lose at the catch point a lot, like tight contested catches. It seems they are not able to outmuscle. They don't have a particularly, I don't know if athletic is the right word, but just like aggressive secondary. And Buda Baker can come downhill with his hair on fire, but he is still ultimately a smaller guy. So um, you know he's a nice player, but it kind of reminds me of Kevin Byard who just got traded. It's like when you don't have much talent around you it will bring your talent down. You'll be trying to cover for mistakes. You're put in difficult situations. That's what Buda Baker kind of reminds me of this year on this Cardinals team too. So um, I, I think we could see a nice day from an Aguilar and an Andrews. Uh, I don't know that this is going to be some explosive pass performance by the Ravens. I don't know that it needs to be, but I don't know. The, the Cardinals, it just feels like they're in a weird spot and they're not super talented and the Ravens offensive line's cooking with gas and the run game's starting to be able to kind of really hurt teams too. Uh, so I think some RPO stuff, some some zone stuff, some of the option game, uh, some of the counter game that we've seen, those will be the, I think when we look back, those will be the plays that the Ravens went on. Yeah, it's interesting. They've got uh, 20 total sacks across their team. I think Dennis Gardeck is their sack master actually with four there. So interested to see how- Gardeck is a really fun player. He's super fun. When I worked at SIS, Cardinals were one of my teams I covered and he was had like one of the most efficient rotational pass rushing seasons ever in 2020 he just is like a classic long blonde haired white dude that rushes the passer as hard as he can every play still plays a ton of special teams uh really a great rags to riches undrafted guy that comes up and ends up getting a pretty notable contract after working his tail off on special teams so he's a lot of fun to watch yeah and it's nice to see uh, a guy like that for sure and yeah i mean it's and, and like that kind of speaks to me, like what we're talking about with this roster when one of those guys is and nothing, no disrespect against him. And he's obviously very productive, but like when one of those guys is leading your team in a certain, like pretty crucial stat, that's kind of tough. You've got uh Victor Demu Is that how you say it? The other linebacker. And then uh, Zayvon Collins. How to do. He's a, he's a local guy. Um, can't remember. I think he went to Gilman, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Went to one of those. MIAA guy. Okay. There we go. Now we're talking. Uh, yeah, Zayvon Collins and him tied for three and a half sacks. So they're kind of the other two guys. And Zayvon Collins, he is, I would say, a name brand guy. He was uh, high, you know, highly drafted and well thought of, I think. And you know, they've they've had so much shit going on with their like just players on defense. There, like uh, Isaiah Simmons, they could never figure him out. Just like kind of a weird run with some of these defensive players, and that definitely is going to happen. Um, 
you fire a defensive coach and then you bring in a Cliff Kingsbury and it's like, what the hell is the defensive approach here with this guy? And now, you know, they've brought in Gannon and it seems like maybe he's a little bit more buttoned up on that side of the ball, but I don't know, man, it's just kind of a, a faceless rudderless operation right now. It is. And the one thing that's most interesting in this whole conversation is the Cardinals sim pressure more than the Ravens do. And that's Gannon's whole MO. They're in that same category. It's really um, the Cardinals, the Dolphins, the Rams and the Ravens are all above 30% in terms of simulating pressure. I don't think there's another team above 25%. So NFL league average on Sim is actually 14.7, and the Cardinals are doing it almost three times as often as league average. So that is they, they're spamming Sim pressures. That, that means they're trying to overload, do those kinds of things. Um, but when you don't have a player that is forcing – protection to do something like a like you mentioned a tj watt a garrett a preeminent pass rusher interesting in this context we heard uh terrell austin the steelers defensive coordinator talk about yeah we're gonna start moving tj watt around when you just line somebody up and sit him in the same spot that allows protection to pretty easily move to that player to make sure they're not wrecking the game the Cardinals are the exact opposite they don't have anyone to do that so the offensive line and protection is just going to be hyper aware of picking up pressure. So it, it's good bones. Like there's good bones on this house when I watch their defense. They're just in a new system. They don't have a ton of talent. They don't have a ton of veterans defensively either, especially in that first and second level, um, let alone successful veterans. So if they're go the Cardinals are going to have set success, it's because the Ravens haven't seen one of those high sim rate teams, but they are one of those high sim rate teams at the same time. So that goes into the practice kind of conversation when you're you know, playing against a team like in Wink Martindale, it was a lot of blitzing, a lot of man coverage. So the Ravens probably felt more comfortable against teams that do that uh, because you practice against every day. So if the Ravens do have one of those games where it's like, why are they playing down to the Cardinals? It's because Rich Gannon's got some fun things in the, uh, the in up his sleeve for a Lamar Jackson protection John, Jonathan style, Gannon. I should say. Jonathan Gannon. John Gannon, what did I say, Rich? Rich Gannon, yeah. Shout out to Rich. We love Rich. I um, love Rich Gannon. I, th I think about him like way more than I think anyone else does. He's a he's why. a good like guys name and guy, guys name and dudes like sitting around Rich Gannon. He's he's he is. He's Plus a dude. one of the first, I think one of the first football games I was like conscious for like a like alive as a human like paying attention was that Ravens AFC championship against him. Well, yeah, there was that. And then there was the, uh, there. and then the next year you, uh, you were just in absolute tears over Kurt Warner losing in the Super Bowl to, uh, to the Patriots and the greatest show on turf. So that was tough, tough moment for young Spenny, but I guess like, get, you I know, was, I was, that's a good segue because I was going to ask you like Kurt Warner's video comes out. I think you and I and Cole, we were talking about a little bit. We all agree that like, it's totally fine because you know, his criticisms are valid and it's not like the, ESPN, you won't believe what this person said. And this person sounded off and like that kind of shit. Like he actually like watched the tape and he's like putting a video out and everything. So when he has his comments that we think are valid and when you have Todd Monken in front of the mic doing his Marty Funkhauser routine and, you know, talking about how he's, you know, not satisfied either. What do they do to get to a place where things are more optimal, where Jackson is not having to improvise as much against this Cardinals team? What can they do to get into an even higher gear than they were last week, which was pretty good, but, you know, left some room for improvement by their own admission? I think that it just comes down to, uh, we, we already we already had this kind of full conversation. I've already put these thoughts out prior to this whole Kurt Warner thing. 
Mike McDonald's defense, Patrick Queen said, I like his defense because I, I am told and know what the other 10 guys are doing as opposed to Wink Martindale's, which was, this is what you do. Put the blinders on like a horse and do your job. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing. The offense feels like the Wink defense, to oversimplify things, feels like guys kind of have blinders on on some of these route combinations, passing concepts, those buzzwords we love, route combinations. Talking about that, it's like the green dot and route combinations. It's all Ravens fans ever talk about. But you have to be aware, and I do think Mark Andrews is a major culprit of this over time. It's that same style of Travis Kelsey of, to me, it's like Andrews wants to go beat his man, whatever that means. But sometimes beating your man a certain way will end up with you being too flat and close to another receiver if it's supposed to be like a flood where there's a flat and that kind of out or a flood route and then that deep post or that nine route or that fade. If you're too flat into the flat guy, then it's going to allow the flat man's defender to play two guys at once. So it's having that awareness that I maybe can't win a certain way or I'm going to intrude on the space of the route concept. I'm going to deviate into someone else's space, and that's going to make both of us, number one, not a target. Then it's going to, in turn, make the quarterback have to hold the football, move his eyes, go through his progression, scramble, all of those kinds of things. Um, and it's not just Mark Andrews. Zay Flowers does it. Zay Flowers, Kurt, Go watch Kurt Warner's video. And it's not that there's like a carelessness. I just think it's a lack of understanding. And what can you do about it? You can... Talk about it in the film room on Monday. You can talk about it with Lamar Jackson on Tuesday as they're doing a walkthrough or whatever. Wednesday, not a walkthrough, but you know they do their, their joint conversations Tuesdays. Then on Wednesday, you can go on the practice field and be conscious of it. That's all you can do is make it a point of emphasis, continue to learn and understand. And it's easier said than done because in the NFL – Offense is based on if then the thing you're going to do in concept X or let's call it a flood concept is going to be different versus a middle of the field closed coverage versus a middle of the field open coverage and also versus inside leverage or outside leverage the defender gives you. So there's four possible if thens on a lot of things and that's a lot of information to try to process in a very short amount of time when there are gigantic humans running around like Ronnie Stanley who ran into our friend Yuli. It's a lot. That's why football's hard. That's why they practice so much. That's why it's a quote-unquote practice sport. So um, it's also not that bad either. Like I think Warner's point was this is not some offensive paradise going on right now. This is not some pass game utopia. He saw things that were sloppy. And we talked about why the Lions – don't do anything to make Lamar Jackson move. They don't confuse him at all. So he was able to just sit back and go to his second and his third read and pick them apart or scramble. But when a team like, let's say, let me go find a team that I think would be a bad matchup based on based on disguising coverage. Let's see. I'm going to try and find, where the hell is it? Disguise rates. So a team like the, Chargers, like, or no, excuse me, a team like the Dolphins or the Eagles or the Panthers who like to go middle of the field coverage disguised, meaning open or close to open, or another team that likes to go open to close, which would be also the Dolphins, also the Eagles. The Packers do that a lot. The Rams do that a lot. A couple teams that the Ravens will see on there. 
that will give more trouble because it's more processing to happen when you're also trying to get through. So the Lions kind of lining up and playing and not stunting at the same time, not blitzing a lot at the same time, not simulating pressure, allowed Jackson to get to his second and third reads a lot. Um, again, I think it's gone into hyperbole because of how much we've talked about it and how much of a talking point. But like we said, it wasn't just some random talking head. It was someone that watched the tape, had specific plays, and then went and did a 10-minute breakdown. You can go watch Kurt Warner's breakdown. It's on his Twitter and on YouTube. So um, I think it's all valid things. And that's why Todd, I mean, Todd Munkin agreed. So what else is there to say about it? He was like, yeah, we did some things good. We did some things bad. The spacing has to be better. And it's a focus of ours. So what do you do? You talk about it. You discuss how it can be better, and then you go try to apply it on the field. Good enough. All right, we're moving over to the other side of the ball. Arizona Cardinals depth chart. Quarterback Joshua Dobbs, running back Amari Demarcado, wide receiver Marquise Brown, we know that name, wide receiver Michael Wilson, wide receiver Rondale Moore, tight end Shrey McBride, left tackle DJ Humphreys, left guard Elijah Wilkinson, questionable, center Hjalte Froholt, right guard Will Hernandez, right tackle Paris Johnson Jr., your immediate reaction to that depth chart. They just don't have a lot of explosiveness. They don't have a lot of physicality. Uh, Marquise Brown is a twitchy player. We don't have to tell Ravens fans about Marquise Brown. Well, we might have uh, to, actually. That's true. DeMarcado has a little bit of juice. Uh, Rondell Moore is a little bit of a mighty mouse, and and he can do some things. They just don't ever – no one ever uses him down the football field, which a lot is of, a, lot of, a lot of nebbish guys on this offense. feels like there's not a ton of – not a ton of bulk, you know, a lot of net. Yeah. And that's why readers. James Conner was fun. Yeah. Who has been injured and is on IR still, I believe. When you go look at their offensive line, uh, Paris Johnson, the rookie DJ Humphreys has been a He's Eugene solid. Monroe type guy, like a Morgan Moses type guy throughout his career. He's been up and down and okay. And not maybe a preeminent player. Um, then the middle of their offensive line is just not super athletic or technically savvy. So, they don't have a great line there. A lot of their offense is just Josh Dobbs running around. That's what it looks like on red zone. Like I have not watched a ton of this team, you know, to, to be quite honest. And I feel like when we do see them on red zone and when you do, you do get the idea of them being frisky. There's nothing like that makes a team friskier than like a backup quarterback that runs around a lot. And like, you see them on red zone and they're down like 10 in like the third, you know, halfway through the third quarter. And the guy like rips off a long run and it's like, Oh, that team's frisky. And like, I, they just, they kind of define frisky to me right now. Yeah, teams have played a lot of man coverage against them. Um, they are frisky. They Dobbs, they they run a lot of option stuff, a lot of spread stuff, and Dobbs likes to you know run around. He's a physical guy. He's faster than most. And uh, with their run game not being as physical, like we mentioned with James Conner out, their offensive line not being that great, it just feels like they're forced into being this kind of spread timing team, but. It's not their first-string quarterback. Drew Petzing is the Cardinals' offensive coordinator. Um, he spent the last three years with Stefanski in Cleveland. So you do see some of those elements, some of the gun-run stuff, some of the little bit of the boot and under-center stuff as well. But, um, I, again, it's, it kind of reminds me of their secondary where it's like I, like I like their spacing a lot. I think they have pretty clean spacing, actually. They just don't have ball winners, and they don't have demons after the catch, and it's not – to your point, this big physical team, like there's no Debo Samuel or uh, Jamar Chase or some you know dog after the catch or anything like that. So um, I, they, I, they're like a nice team to make you really sweat covering. Like they'll they'll play a competitive game, they'll lose out in the fourth quarter, 
it'll be tight around halftime. A lot of these games they play, and then they just don't have the horses when the game comes to the high leverage moments to turn it on and compete and make winning plays. Yeah, I mean, Hollywood Brown, 383 yards, is leading them receiving yards and touchdowns with three. So, you know, I mean, that's solid for him. 343 for Wilson right behind him, and those two guys are kind of leading the pack by a decent margin. So it looks like he's having a solid season. You know, you see some of these highlights, like I said, on Red Zone of him beating a guy one-on-one on a flag route or whatever it might be for a touchdown. And, you know, it's that's kind of what they're relying on here. But I don't know. I look at a Ravens defense with some corners that have played you know above their station and then you've got marlon humphrey in front of all of them and you've got rocky sin in the mix here and there for matchups and you know you've got a middle of the defense with these linebackers and you've got roquan smith with an injured shoulder and then all of a sudden he's wearing a cowboy hat and he's perfectly healthy and uh, he's giving these you know uh, you know bully pulpit type quotes about how he's going to play no matter what and uh i don't know man i just this looks like a, a mismatch in favor of Baltimore. I'm usually not entirely bullish on them, but this one is just this matchup in particular, their offense versus this defense. Uh, I feel pretty confident that the Ravens are stronger at pretty much every level. Yeah, I think that they'll be able to generate a lot of pressure. I could see Adafi Owe having a big day against this front uh, with his explosiveness and the length that he showed and some of the ability to disengage a little faster. I think we could see him with another sack in this one. Uh, I could see Jadevian Clowney conversely being able to out physical uh, their their tackles. So um, I, I just don't trust that Cardinals interior offensive line to hold up. Josh Dobbs is really hard to take down though. Uh, he he's got a little little bit of that Big Ben strong man to him, and uh, he he can move. So maybe it is a little less sacks, a little more pressure, and Dobbs trying to make plays on the run. And you know anything can happen in those situations. So just have to stay disciplined and not vacate your zones and things like that. But um, it, it is the NFL at the end of the day. Like the teams that are nine point underdogs cover 61% of the time over the last five years. This isn't college football. It's not Alabama versus San Jose state. Like they can come out and do anything. So I don't know. It's easy to say anybody can do anything. I'm not really expecting that to happen. Like I said, I think the Ravens are able to run the ball. I would like to crack myself from earlier. The Ravens have not struggled against quarters. What I was looking at was, percentage of coverage faced offensively um, the Ravens have seen very little cover six end quarters which the Cardinals do play a lot so there you go I mean maybe a little unfamiliarity but I, I don't know I, I think that kind of uh, when you play a lot of quarters and a lot of cover six that means there's a lot of light boxes if there's a lot of light boxes, it's easy to run the football especially when there's no nose tackle or elite linebacker duo in there to uh, make you respect them so Again, I, I just think the Ravens are kind of run the ball and run this Cardinals team out of the gym. Yeah, and I don't think there's – honestly, there doesn't seem to be much to belabor here. Like, this just seems like a game where the Ravens just got to go out and take care of business. They've got to they've got to get away from this, like we've talked about, this trap game bullshit play down to the competition, John Harbaugh. I don't care about that, though. I just care about – like, who cares if they don't cover eight and a half? I, it's, it's not even about covering. Just go fucking win. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Like, you got to get away from this, like – you know, losing these types of games. That's what I meant to say. I don't care about the, you know, covering and the spread or anything like that. I feel like they don't really lose these kind of games. Though. I feel like they just don't ever beat the good teams. I feel like that's really been the issue. Well, I feel I mean, like they bully. I feel like they bully crappy teams for the most part for years. I feel like they lose at least one game like this a year. That's fine. That's, I mean, but that happens like the chiefs, the chiefs lose. One it does game happen, but you've given yourself a little bit less rope by losing those two games that you did lose. So you got to win. Yeah, this it would one. be, okay? it would be super. It would be really dumb to lose this game. This would it be would, a bad loss. Take, 
it would take a 12 penalty three turnover day to lose this game. And all I'm and saying is, yeah, can't afford that. Like, let's just go out. You're the better team by a wide margin, in my opinion, and just go out there and play like it. Not that Especially hard. with Murray coming back to practice, it's like, I don't know. I feel like the focus isn't really around what happens this weekend from yeah. this organization as the Cardinals. I don't know that you're going to get a dedicated uh, looking to make a statement Cardinals team in this game. Yeah, no, it's not. I, you're you're bang on with that. I think that's definitely a, a situation where if he were coming back this week, there would be a lot more hype leading up to it. I think the players would have a little bit more pep in their step and, you know, hashtag momentum, whatever you want to call it. I do think there would be a psychological boost this week, though. It kind of feels like maybe they're coming to the end of a certain rope and uh, they're, you know, ready to start off on a new one when Murray does come back into the lineup. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. But yeah, like I said, not a whole lot to belabor here. It's just Ravens. Go take care of your business. Go win this game and get it done. Prediction time. What do you got? I do feel that this is going to be a game where they win like 21 to like 12 or like 13 or something. And the Cardinals like score a late touchdown to make it look on the box score. And then everyone's like, oh, the Ravens could barely beat the Cardinals. And it, in reality, they control them from the beginning of the game. And like I said, I think the Cardinals score late to make this like almost cover uh, something like that. I just feel like the Ravens can cruise through this one. Uh, I, I would love to see the thing. I would, if the Ravens do blow them out, it's because a Rashad Bateman or a Zay Flowers, there's more of those explosive plays we saw last week after the catch, and somebody can take off, have a couple long touchdowns, something like that. So uh, I think the Ravens somewhere in the low 20s, maybe mid-20s, and the Cardinals somewhere around like 8 to 11. So like I said, I'll go 21-12 go final score. Yeah, I went with uh, 28 to 16. I think the Ravens keep it rolling a little bit offensively. I've got them scoring four touchdowns and then Cardinals touchdown and three field goals. So, you know, it just basically what I'm imploring them to do. I expect that they're going to go do it. I think they've got the they've got the guys, you know, things have settled down a little bit after those bad losses. I think they got a, a two nice psyche repairing wins here uh, in a row. And I think they go get another one. I mean, you're going to the West Coast, basically, you're you're switching time zones here, going to Mountain Time. But you know, it seems like the vibes are good. You got Patrick Queen handing out cowboy hats, like I said. Uh, it seems like the vibes are pretty good. So I, I think they keep it rolling here, twenty-eight to sixteen. I feel like it's easier to go west time zone wise with all that stuff. But and it's then only, again, it's like, only the one hour. All right, is it two hours? Because Arizona has their own time. Arizona has a split of two and three hours in it. Okay. You can you can drive back and forth in the state of Arizona and switch time zones. That's like a, a goofy tourist thing to do. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, I, I think I just saw a TikTok from someone that I know, like throwing a football over the time zone and being like, "This is a one-hour pass." And I was like, hoo, 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 hoo. Uh, But I think it's easier to go east to west. I think it's easier to go back in time than it is to move games up. Go back um, in time. Shout out to Huey Lewis in the news. Don't get me started on Huey Lewis in the news and their uh, their funk. But yeah, I think that about does it for this one. Go win a game. That's all. Six and two. Trade deadline coming up. Doesn't seem like it should be that hard, does it? Just go do it. it. You know, just go do it. It's spooky season. Halloween is here. You know, where the vibes are good. Win this game. Go home. Eat your candy. You know, the Ravens are going to force feed Odell Beckham a touchdown in this game. That's my prediction. As I well. hope so. I hope they do it on a back they shoulder. Have been, Lamar has been 
forcing the ball to Odell Beckham in like gold. We saw it last week. The one thing it's called back, he's been tackled on the one twice this year too. Throws the goal line fade to him against the Steelers. This is the game where they force Odell Beckham into the end zone. I'm taking Odell Beckham anytime touchdown. They should do an end around with him. Something they'll they'll they're gonna do something like that. There yeah. will be some little thing to get him the ball to see if he can go score. They did the I remember when he was on the Browns, he had that end around against the Cowboys to beat them. That was one of the more badass plays I've I've seen. That was sick. I would I would guess it's gonna be like a boot and Odell sits down in the middle of the field away from the play and Lamar kind of throws it back to him. I'm, that's gonna be me calling my he had a couple of the, he had a couple of those with Stafford, I think. So yeah, I, I could see that happening too. They've had one this year too. So I think it's going to be like Lamar rolling left. Odell is sitting down and doesn't move like right at the the goal line. And Lamar just kind of zips him a ball back. So uh, that is my, that is my, like I, that is coming from in my plums. I know that's going to happen. Okay. I like it. Yeah. I, I think you're, uh, I think you're right. This is kind of, if you're going to get a guy going or more going than he has been, look, he's looked good the last couple of I don't of even know if it's going. I think it's like a respect thing and like a want to and like a culmination of him being on the Ravens. It's like that kind of thing. Yeah. It's to like, your, to your point, they've been trying to, I mean, it's, you know, they, right. they, they really want, I don't to think he feels like he's been neglected at all. He's only been playing 45, 50% of snaps and he gets, he get for playing half of snaps or less. He gets a solid amount of targets. He's been hurt a couple games. Too. Yeah. I mean, it's just, he's right. still, he's still gearing up. Like he's kind of, he's like, we've said, he's kind of a closer this year, if anything. So, that's what they need him to be. They need him to come on strong late. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens with this game. Uh, in the meantime, everyone enjoy your Halloween weekends. Thank you very much for listening. As always, thank you to our presenting sponsors, Gimme's Famous Seafood, Fed Thrill, Black Eyed Susan Spices, to everyone else who is on the ship as well. Uh, thank you for joining me, my friend. Uh, we'll talk again on Sunday night. You guys, in the meantime, can follow us on social media at exit52podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Also, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that like button, comment, get all that stuff going. Still trying to grow the brand over there. So uh, the biggest, easiest way you can support us if you like our content is to subscribe on YouTube. Absolutely. So go ahead and do that. And uh, we will talk to you guys again very soon. See you. Arrivederci.